Okay, welcome to the Information Revolution. Uh, this is the first episode of a podcast where you're going to hear exciting things about the worlds of information um, and basically about how things are changing. It's an opportunity for us to share experiences and ideas. Um, the people who we've got here today, we're all the core hosts of it, but we're really looking forward to getting guests on. So if you listen to this and you think, yeah, I want to be in on that, or I know someone who'd be great, then uh, please let us know. That'd be great. Um, so we're going to kick off with just some introductions on the three of us who are on the podcast. Um, so my name's Michael Upton. Uh, I am a director of MetaTaxis New Zealand, which is a small uh, consulting company, and we look after information through governance, management, and architecture. I think Judy, that's all you I want to say. You might as well go next. Sure, Continue the MetaTaxis sure. thing. I am his. Yep, I am his fellow director in MetaTaxis. Um, and there's also a MetaTaxis UK, I should say. And I'm an information architect, which is going to be part of the subject today. Um, usually that's what I call myself. Sometimes I call myself a taxonomist. Very occasionally on good days, I call myself an ontologist. Um, but these are all part of information architecture. Carl. Fantastic. And I'm Carl Melrose. Uh, I lead business development and consulting for Leadership Through Data. You may you may have guessed um, a, a records and information management training company. Um, I'm based in Adelaide in Australia. Um, I also write a blog, Meta IRM, which, you know, some people seem to find insightful. So um, that's probably enough, I think, about me. Superb. So what are we going to talk about today, Carl? Information architecture. Yay! <laughs> and 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 for people who are you know Wikipedia and the information architecture institute tell me that it is the structural design of shared information environments, um, which has actually already caused one argument because the definition's quite a bit longer. So we left off all of the most contentious bits, but then we also had an argument about whether they had to be shared, and whether it was necessarily structural. So. Um, we're just going to go with the structural design of shared information environments and agree that, you know, it, it's many things to many people. Indeed. Yeah, sounds yeah, great. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think I think a real focus is the organisation of content and the um, the labelling of it, the, the classification of it, if you like, in order to help people um, group it together and then find it and use it. So mm. that's the the key aspects of it for me and I think that you can't do information management or records management without a good information architecture discuss mm. <laughs> and, and that and, and, that, and that really is the, I mean yeah. that's the the master topic for today really is how information architecture and records management fit together because we both work in or we all work in um, you know with government agencies in records management and the information architecture conversation keeps coming up because, you know, for 20 years ago, it was just, you know, you you'd develop your classification scheme and that's what you'd use. And that was the end of it because it was a professional discipline done by professionals. Now, obviously, we have users. And so it's got to be something very, very different or nothing gets used. So that's the theme today, the general theme. And I mean, Michael, I mean, you've, you've probably got, you know, I know we were going to start with a comment from you. We're a little bit more structured today. And then, you know, in the name of information architecture, we've structured our <laughs> podcast. 
that's a fitting way to be, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the thing that's really struck me, and in particular, you know, um, obviously building working relationships with information architects such as Judy, um, is that in terms of thinking about records and information management, the the reality of how we have to work nowadays is that we need to understand what we have um i would call that an audit we need to like bring together you know a, a set of requirements around our information like what on earth do we actually have um and what do we need to be able to do with it um and then we need to be able to apply structures to actually get things done so i guess my view of information architecture is always going to be broader than if you go and talk to a web designer where their concept would normally be solely focused on how does an end user sort of seamlessly buy a new pair of jeans or you know whatever it is um, whereas I think um, when we're talking about information architecture and how it fits with information management or records management or both whatever you want to call those things um, I think it has to be it has to include the concept of basically controls or management you know so so the architecture has to serve um, the ability for an organization to basically meet business requirements um, yeah and so to me yeah. just accepting i mean i imagine this was always true pre-digital but certainly you know accepting that we're basically operating digitally whether or not you've got paper files to deal with as well um you can't uh, efficiently manage information without thinking about information architecture and thinking about how that then translates into systems. So, you know, how does that actually show up in terms of interfaces and software and so forth? So, yeah, so to me, um, information architecture and information management, you know, must coexist, must work together. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, you know, information management's not going to happen. There's not yeah, going to be much Yeah, exactly. And I mean, so you've got your your IM strategy, all the things you're trying to do, but your information architecture is how really how you're going to do that. It's the enabler that lets you do all those good things that you're trying to do as part of your IM and RM, hmm. in my view, um, which always starts off. And you mentioned audit there at the beginning or earlier on, um, which always starts off with knowing what you've got whatever you want to call that, an audit or an inventory or, a, you know, a look at the landscape. I don't like the word audit because that sounds as if you're saying this is right or wrong or good quality or bad quality right. to me. Um, whereas I think the point is we need to know what all that stuff is, mm. whether it's good, bad or indifferent, um, in order to know what we should be doing with it going forwards. Mm. Yeah, so getting I, a picture of the whole landscape. Yeah, I, I have heard the phrase "stock take," which I think is quite a reasonable. That's a good way one. That's a good one. It, you know, yeah. What, what's all the stuff we've got? <laughs> and, yeah. You know, what does that tell us? Yeah. I mean, f for me, I, you know, I, and great, we've got some disagreements. This is good. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think IA and it's like every architecture discipline. You know, we're, we're taking the idea of architecture, which is fundamentally a design discipline, and it's all about how you integrate lots of different requirements. And you know, it's interesting. You have a look at the history of information architecture, and it was literally it was building architects starting to think about how information flowed through spaces and what that should mean for building design. And so I think what we're dealing with is really it's all about the trade-offs that we have to make 
and you know we're dealing with the fundamental tension between you know records management like everything else tends to produce a set of hard requirements you know a bunch of you musts which you know we might call functional requirements um you know it must and you must and then it meets the real world and you know the the, the number one you know the the functional and non-functional requirements functional requirements a set of you musts and non-functional requirements you know it should follow this principle or do this thing and you know it's the tension between all of the you musts in records management and the non-functional requirement of people must actually use it um you know and that's where all of the tension comes in and i think how you resolve those things is really the that's really the art of information architecture because you know, I mean, if you go into an organisation where everybody's been there for 40 years and it's a technical discipline and they use technical terms with precision, you build a very different information architecture than you do if you've got, you know, if, if you've got a 25% turnover rate every year and you've got a really hard core of people who have been there for 15 years who use terms with precision and then you've got, you know, everybody else that needs to use it that's turning over, you know, three, every three years. You build, you build very different systems when you start to have to think about those sorts of things. And for me, information architecture is how you do that stuff. Um, you know, and, and when I, you know, I mean, my my architecture training was 15 years ago. You know, I went through a business architecture course um, that Cisco were actually running at the time, which was which was absolutely brilliant. But, you know, the, the fundamental, that was really my first exposure to information and business architecture. And the thing that I've always taken from that, the most functional basic principle of the ideas of, you know, current states and desired states. And... I where I, I've got a, a small disagreement is that, you know, yes, okay, we might want to start with an audit, but your target state may have nothing to do with your audit. You know, there's obviously going to be a whole bunch of transition states about how you get from, you know, where you are now to where you want to be. But ultimately I think organizations sit down and say, where do we want to be? And they sit down and they, you know, paint Nirvana. And then they probably come back and go, right, how do we get there? Well, we've got to start with the current state. One of the, And, you know, this has been an ongoing problem for records management forever. You know, how do you roll a classification scheme out? Well, you know, on, you know, day minus one, um, nobody's got anything or they're doing things over here. And day one, all of a sudden they've got this new thing that they're all supposed to use perfectly. And I think... If we're doing information architecture well, I think that's one of the other things we're doing. We've got a, a number of transition states between our, you know, current state and our desired state. But mm. the underlying thing there is it's how you manage all of those tensions. And you know, one of the tension that I've just been talking about is how fast can you people change? How fast can you implement mm. systems? All those mm. sorts of things. But I think it's a that's the challenge. The challenge is it it's a big discipline it has to integrate lots of things obviously what i've been talking about there is that there's obviously an integration there with technical architecture and system architecture as well and that's actually one of the problems i think for information architecture we're talking about how it meshes with records management which you know means there's a set of requirements for life cycle management metadata you know some compliance aspects but you know it's kind of you tug on this piece of string and you very quickly find out it's attached to the whole universe <laughs> Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, I mean, an another thing I would say in response to that is um, that part of that kind of tension I always see in thinking about an architecture or, or thinking about the management of information is between what you might call 
the um, the bottom up requirements. So basically, as an end user or as someone mm. down in the dirt, <laughs> down in the dirt doing things, um, you know, what are my needs? Like, what do I need to do during a day in order to basically be effective and just get stuff done? Versus what you might call top down, which is those sort of strategic objectives or straight up business objectives. You know, what are you actually trying to do? And when I say business, um, I can, you know, I'm, I really mean the operation of any kind of organisation, and you know, definitely, definitely including you know any kind of government in that. Um, and and they will potentially, I mean, hopefully not completely clash, but you know, there is often this kind of tension between, yeah. um, like a, a classic one in records management. Obviously, is that thing of like, okay, a set of top-down requirements are those things around how long you retain information for, and you know, the, the kind of core stuff around disposal or disposition and then uh, coming from the bottom up is kind of how i need to organize my information so that i can get on with my job and um we've seen for decades basically failures to address the tension between those things by trying to force people into the wrong wrong shape bucket to completely mess up a metaphor there but yeah, yeah get or the, making get in the bucket. <laughs> yeah, or making bad lumping and splitting, you know, decisions yeah. about how yeah, we yeah, lump yeah. a category together versus, you know, how we split it up into subcategories. Absolutely, mm. but I mean, the good thing these days is that you're not forced to take just one approach. If you've got your um, basic groupings right, right enough, um, and very particularly, you've got your metadata right. Then you can present this in lots of different ways and find it in lots of different ways. So we're in a much better place now than mm. we have been previously when you're trying to do things in, let's say, folders and trying to use those folders, those containers for a whole bundle of different things. Just mm. like you're saying there, Michael, you know, you're trying to use it for retention, you're trying to use it for findability, you're trying to use it um, for access controls maybe, you know, you're trying to use this one container to do so many different things. Yeah, but we don't, absolutely. We don't have that constraint anymore, thank goodness. <laughs> to some extent, right? <laughs> to some extent. I mean, yeah, yeah we yeah, still yeah. need containers um, yeah. and we still need to work out, but that's the fun, fun of an information architecture <laughs> is working out what your optimum container stroke metadata is. It's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be something that doesn't quite fit work, you know, mm, but, yeah. you know, what's the best you can do? And that is yeah. that is fun, and it is an art, and it is a science. Um, it's all of those things. <laughs> how much how much do you find that you know in, in your professional practice you're you're working with management to create pressure in the areas where you know it's not perfect, but you've got to get people to use it, and so you're trying to look at other ways to create pressure to get people to do something that you know, might be slightly unwieldy for them. I mean, is that is that part of your architecture practice as well? It is. Well, that's the whole education side of it and you can't do any of it. I mean, the thing is, if you've done if you've done a good job around your information architecture, you will have talked to as many of these people out there as possible or a very good representative sample. And in my experience, people are often desperate to talk to you about what it is they want. It so often happens 
that the senior people will be saying, well, these people don't have very much time because they're all so busy. When you go and talk to the users, they're going, I am busy. I am so busy because I can't find anything. And I'm so pleased to see you. Please come in here and, and let me talk at you for, you know, hours, hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. about what it is I need. Mm. So that that already starts the the um, education process or the upskilling or whatever it is you want to call it. The fact that um, these people are already, you know, they already feel the pain they know what they'd like so your job is to mold that I suppose to get it as consistent across the organization as you can which is a challenge but yeah and and obviously it needs it does need constant follow-through as well uh, which is a problem that I find a lot is that people say well the management says well we've we've done this round of education so sorted yeah, but it isn't. Yeah. You need to keep you need to keep reinforcing that the whole time. That, which in itself is kind of a classic um, thing in common with uh, information management and other information sciences that things are never really finished as such. Yeah, because yeah. Your circumstances are always changing. You know, just um, um, like Carl, you mentioned the idea of a high turnover organisation, or just you know. Kind of machinery of government stuff is a yeah. very extreme version of it, um, but also just um, obviously just uh, events in society. You know, like how many people needed uh, you know concepts within an architecture that talked about a pandemic. You know, before yep. a couple of years ago would be a sort of bleedingly obvious kind of example where you know there needs to be some kind of um, ongoing commitment to making these kind of changes. I think, or, or yes, you manage definitely. the architecture over time. Yeah. I mean that, that's, but that's. I mean that should be a good governance process, right? Because mm, yeah. there's a, you know, there is the idea of architecture governance as well, which is, you know, how you manage that transition over time and make sure the architecture remains fit for purpose. But you yeah. know, I mean, if I've, if I've, you know, in my experience, which is, you know, I, I've less experience than the two of you do, but my experience has been that the things that people don't want to pay for in, you know, these sorts of engagements are they don't want to pay for design consultation. I've literally had people say. Yeah, we want you to design our classification scheme, but you can't talk to it. Talk to the people who have to use it, or yeah, like well, I, I kid you not. And we want you to do it in. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this was a project. This was yeah. This was a recent you know organisation uh, who you know I didn't pitch for that project because it was going to be a disaster. But you know we don't want you to talk to our users. So we don't, they don't want to pay for design engagement. Yeah. They don't want to pay for change management. They don't want to pay for training. Yeah. They don't want to pay for governance. You know, yep. or they don't want to implement a governance process and then they yep. don't want to deal with ongoing changes. And, you know, what are the five things that you or six things that make it successful? You know, design consultations, training, yeah. change management, governance and, you know, ongoing, ongoing change. Yeah. How, but how, how does that. I, I, I guess. How do you make the cases for all of those things so that it's not just done as a tick as a tick box exercise? You know, what 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 would you tell people about how to make the case for those things? Crikey, that's a really good question. I mean, yeah. I, I guess so. If you think about, I mean, the reality is that often information architecture work. Well, I don't know how often, but but you know, quite regularly is initiated because you've got new software. So it's actually about. Yeah, technical going, change. You know, we need design on the back of this technical implementation. And I think there is really solid evidence that basically investment in design um, is cheaper than 
just uh, skipping on that step and putting all your money into the build because unsurprisingly, if you haven't spent the money on the design, then the chances of it actually meeting your requirements are obviously really that much lower. And therefore, you've just got this um, much higher chance of rework, which yeah. is really expensive. Or yeah. you just um, potentially just fail to deliver on your benefits. But sadly, if I was going to be far too blunt on the topic, like government doesn't necessarily care about that because they don't normally track benefits. Mm, or there's no benefit realisation. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's normally no structured sort of follow through on whether or not it actually achieved what it was supposed to. So I think actually more compelling is just trying to put a cost argument together that basically says if we're investing in the design properly at the front, then the overall cost or total cost of ownership or whatever is actually going to be lower. Um, I th think, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where to me it just makes such good sense that I do find it sometimes hard to step back and go, well, why? Why do I actually think that? Because to me it just seems obvious. Like, you know, this is what we need to do. I mean, is this where, I mean, the interaction between information architecture, information management and service management should really be a part of it too because you know the thing that i and this is a it's a topic that i've, I've really wanted to follow up on with lots of people over the last 18 months but just haven't had the time you know how you do things like maintain a service catalog and then how you take your service requests so you know do you have a service desk so that you know you can start to track things like you know we've got these people who couldn't find these things and I got, a, I got a friend of mine at a, a council in New South Wales, and he that they they have a half a they have a half an FTE there dedicated to finding stuff for the DA team, because yeah, they've had you know they they had a you know years ago they had a record system that wasn't particularly well organised, and they've had a couple of record systems, and so they've got different file series naming conventions, and then they've integrated to Authority, which has changed you know naming again. And because they haven't done that work to make everything consistent, they're literally, they're funding a half a head every year, you know, which would be, I don't know, all in cost would probably be 50 grand. So the cost of finding stuff for just that team is about mm -hmm. 50 grand a year. But mm -hmm. do we have any awareness of that if we don't have good service management? Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've certainly seen organisations who do have that kind of central service point um, and they do keep records on the kinds of things they're being asked, which seems like a very, very good idea to me. So that you can see where there's room for improvement and how how you could begin to tackle that. Yeah. One thing I would say is that this kind of stuff, the, the, the thing you described, Carl, that's the kind of thing I think about when I think about doing your stock take or doing your audit or whatever. It's actually, it's, it's the value in identifying stuff in the current state that needs to be changed and understanding your requirements and how you currently meet those requirements. So I guess I don't, yeah, felt like just kind of clarifying that, like I don't necessarily think it's just about seeing what buckets of information you have, but also how you work with them and mm. what mm. doesn't work about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that's where I see a lot of the value because I certainly take your point earlier about wanting to kind of focus on a future state and make sure you can achieve that. But also, you know, sometimes there is just that, that tactical thing of, Okay, this is horribly broken. Why don't we fix it? <laughs> and so you need to know, you know, you need to know that that's the case. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think we're at about 25 minutes. And we okay. said that we were going to be disciplined and we were going to stop. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good idea. So, Michael, do you, want, do you want to wrap us up? Or do you want to make one more comment before you wrap us up? Or should we have a passing comment from each of the esteemed huh. panellists? Exciting times. Um, I'm happy to wrap it up. And I would wrap it up by saying that um, I'd be interested in those who are listening to this, your thoughts on whether you're currently doing information architecture. Because I think if you have got through this, you will have found that a bunch of the things we're talking about, whether or not you feel well qualified and, you know, talk about things in the same way as us, you know, potentially you're doing some of these things and potentially you are doing information architecture without noticing it. So, you know, that's that. Um, in general, of course, we'll say those generic things that people often say on a podcast, which is, you know, we're just trying a new thing here. We'd really love your feedback. We'd really love to hear, you know, how you found this, whether there are things in particular you'd actually, you wish there was sort of an information-related podcast about. We'd love to hear about topics. And as I mentioned at the start, we'd love to hear about guests, you know. We'd really, it'd be awesome to have other people on here to have a chat about whatever it is you want to have a chat about. We're not really running around trying to be experts. We're just trying to share our own experiences. So don't feel put off like you need to meet some magic bar that, you know, there isn't one. <laughs> yeah, well said, Michael. Mm, yeah, and I think yeah. everyone's probably seen that we've, we've all disagreed about things today. So, you know, I think it's one of those. I definitely think it's a discipline that's open to interpretation. For sure. For sure. Nice. All righty. Well, Catch you next time. Okay. Bye for now. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Judy.